Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning into the 38th episode on July 20th, 2021. Let's talk about the impressive Schifflera, aka umbrella plant. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. So Schifflera may not have a ton of different varieties out there, but it's still a super classy, elegant plant that some people can classify as an easy plant because of low watering needs. It has really beautiful waxy leaves that almost form that umbrella shape. That is why it's commonly called the umbrella plant. So there are a few different botanical names to take note of. Schifflera arboricola, which is the most popular one, and more than likely if you're buying a houseplant that is Schifflera, it may be that one. Those typically are known as the dwarf umbrella plants or the mini umbrella plants that only get maybe around five, six feet max inside your home. There's also Schifflera actinophila or actinophila. That is the larger variety, almost like a tree variety. If you see it in its native habitat, the arboricola is going to be the mini one and the actinophila or phyla is going to be the big one. There's also a Schifflera alpine as well. And I believe that is more of the leaf size is going to be larger. So common names, obviously umbrella plant, dwarf umbrella plant, and then alpine Schifflera is just a common name for the Schifflera alpine, which, you know, obviously. <laughs> and there aren't really a lot of varieties, more than likely, if you're going to find them at a garden center or plant shop, they're going to be labeled Schifflera arboricola or variegated Schifflera arboricola. But there are some varieties out there, whether you're looking at Etsy or other online plant shops or even local shops might have specific varieties that they're propagating and selling to you as well. So it could be Gold Capella, Janine, Luciani is another one I saw. Petite might just be another name for the Arboricola varieties. Trinette, I've also seen Sunburst and Dazzle. More than likely, the Capella, Sunburst, Dazzle, those are all going to be varieties that are more of the variegated and they're going to be the hybridized variegation ones. So that is that. Not really a lot of information for botanical name, common name, or variety name, but makes it easier for us. So let's move on to sun requirements and then we'll dig into water requirements, fertilizer, propagation, all that good stuff. So sun requirements are pretty self-explanatory for the most part. They do well in medium to bright indirect sunlight, but if you have the variegated varieties, I would advise just putting it in bright indirect light no matter what. That way your variegation won't fade and it won't revert back to that green color. Also, if you have it in a lower light, the plant could get a little bit more leggy. So if you had a regular Schifflera in a low to medium light, it could get leggy. But if you have it in a medium to bright indirect, it's going to stay a little bit more, I guess the best word is compact. So 
I would advise if you can, whether it's a green or variegated variety, to put it in bright indirect sunlight. If it's variegated, I would put it in bright indirect sunlight. If it's just plain green, you can keep it in medium light as well and it should do, do okay, but it might just be a little bit leggier in medium light. Not to say it can't do well in low light, I just think it'll be best at least if you give it medium light. That was short. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump right into water requirements and fertilizer. I kind of have an update on fertilizer as well. Okay. So water requirements are also pretty self-explanatory. Umbrella plants love to dry out in between waterings. In my experience and as looking at all of my different resources, these plants can rot easily. So it's really best to keep them on the dry side. If you're really unsure what that looks like, you're welcome to get a moisture meter reader. They come super cheap on Amazon and I linked them on the blog post. So make sure you check that out. But I did kill one of them by, I'm pretty sure it was overwatering. All of a sudden, the leaves and the stems just dropped. Like I had almost no sign of it happening and they just hated me and everything dropped. Now I have a new umbrella plant. I've had it for maybe close to a year now and I have it in a terracotta pot. It sits in like a east slightly south facing window. It's a, it's at an angle a little bit. It's like a bay window and it's on the side and it's kind of hidden between one of the one of the other plants that I have. So sometimes it doesn't get as watered as the other ones and it doesn't really get any of the humidifier or misting or anything like that. And it is doing great. <laughs> so the fact that I've just kind of been ignoring it is actually best for it. I did find spider mites on it, but they're really not that bad. And the fact that I was neglecting it, I, it was like bound to happen, but I just kind of washed them off and so far so good. <laughs> so I know I'll have to check them and treat them if it gets worse, but it really wasn't bad. It was only in a couple leaves and that's because it's so dry. That's what spider mites like. So if you can ignore it, it's probably best. When I was looking up online of the different issues that they might have, a lot of people had said on there that rot was a huge issue with them. So making sure that it is underwatered probably more than too much is best. This might be a good one to really use that moisture meter reader just so you were 100% sure that you're not overwatering it. The other kind of factor is humidity. So Extra humidity can definitely help these plants, but it's not necessary. So most of the resources that I looked at said low to medium humidity. I don't add any extra humidity to mine, and mine is doing great and still growing new leaves as we speak. I do have a blog post called Products I Use that I will be updating as I go, as I think of stuff, as I purchase things, try things out, just as a list for you guys to reference. Um, since... On Instagram, I don't have the amount of followers, so I can't do swipe ups on my stories. So I decided to do this. So if you go on social media, I have a link to a bunch of other links and there is a direct link to the products I use blog posts on there. So it's easy to get to, but I do have it linked in this blog post as well, just in case you want to see any other extra things you need to get to raise your humidity. I have the humidifier I currently have, and I have the Amazon link for all the other ones. I have misters. I have the IKEA greenhouses on there. So feel free to jump over there and look at that as well. So that is water requirements. Overall, underwater is way better than slightly overwatering it. 
So fertilizer is next. And again, I literally say this every time. You know what I'm going to say. There are lots of ways to do this. There's never a right way. And I'm literally about to prove that with what the other resources said that I found. So again, I am currently using Espoma Indoor Liquid Plant Food. I fertilize about every two weeks. Sometimes it's every three, depending on if I forget or something else is going on. And I usually start fertilizing end of February and then I stop around October. And then in winter, I fertilize one more time in December just to get at least that nutrients there, but kind of to stop it and reduce it. I always use about a half to three-fourths of the recommended amount of fertilizer just because I would rather under-fertilize than over-fertilize. Now, that's what I do. And I referenced a few of my books and I just thought it was hilarious at all the different things that came up. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual by Barbara Pleasant, which I find very reliable. All of these books that I bought, I really like to use and to check. But this just really proves between these two resources that you can do either one and both of them work. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual says year-round feed monthly with a balanced houseplant food or use a time-released granular fertilizer that includes micronutrients. Okay, like that's fine. Feed monthly, great. Or use a granular, great. Okay. Practical Houseplant book says apply a half-strength balanced liquid fertilizer every month in spring and summer. So one says year-round, one says spring and summer, one says half-strength, one says full-strength, year-round. So I think it just really depends on the product you're using and how much you want to fertilize. I haven't seen many resources say feed your houseplants year-round, and I never really read anywhere that Schaeffler are more active growers in winter, so I'm not sure why it's recommended year-round. It didn't explain that, but I'm guessing since it's monthly, you're not feeding as much, if that makes sense. It really depends on the fertilizer. So the Kind of the update on the fertilizer, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast and I was debating on changing products up a little bit. I really like Espoma and I really like Fox Farm, which are two products that I've used working at the garden center, managing the garden center. I always ordered them. And Fox Farm is one of those products that I don't think they really sell at the big box stores. It's more local places, which I really like as well. And they had a website with a list of different fertilizers and nutrients and stuff like that, but I didn't quite know what to use because none of it was directly for houseplants. I just wanted to make sure. So I actually contacted them and I asked them what they would recommend for best and they replied actually. And I got a couple of recommendations. So I was just going to list them here quick for you. I asked them for a liquid fertilizer. What would I use or what would they recommend using? And then they actually recommended a dry fertilizer as well, just in case that's what you'd rather have. So I'm just going to read directly what they put in the email because it probably explains it best. So they said, grow big is our all-purpose liquid plant food that your plants will love. It is incredibly concentrated and fast-acting, designed to provide full-scale, crucial micro and macronutrients to your plants. Grow big can be applied at a rate of two to three teaspoons per gallon of water once a week. If you prefer a dry fertilizer, Happy Frog All-Purpose Dry Fertilizer is OMRI and CDFA listed, and it's ready-to-use blend of balanced nitrogen-rich fertilizers and microorganisms. Mycorrhizae, mycorrhizae, mycorrhizal fungi are included to help increase root efficiency, which may enhance nutrient uptake and water absorption. It is super easy to use. Just apply monthly as top dressing. This is an excellent choice for your indoor plants. I also wanted to note that 
I know this is unrelated to fertilizer, but I did recommend it, see if they had any recommended pest control products. They said they have a product called Don't Bug Me. It's a ready-to-use formula that kills on contact that it's safe to use inside and outside. So I thought I'd throw that out there. I am going to link them in the products I use page if you want to see them, use them. I'm going to link them to their Amazon account, the Fox Farm Amazon account. So I have no affiliation with these guys. I just really like their products and I haven't started using them myself, but I am going to order them. I'm going to order the Don't Bug Me and I like the the liquid fertilizer. It always lasts a lot longer, I feel like. So that's what I'm going to do and they recommend once a week. I don't know if I'm going to remember to do that. I might do it every two weeks. So kind of depends on product, kind of depends on what you need to do for yourself. So overall for fertilizer, it's really up to you, but I really like the Espoma Fox Farm products. There's nothing wrong with using the miracle Grow or Scott's products either, anything like that, but that's just what I use. Okay, so now let's move on to propagation and other facts. Okay, so there are two really two ways to propagate. I'm sure there's more, but there's two main ways to propagate it. And it really depends on what you're comfortable with. But I have seen both of these used with several other plants before, obviously. Stem cuttings is going to be the number one choice. Most people will go for that because that might be the easiest way to do it. But I did see that air layering also works and might be even easier to get this plant to root. So stem cuttings, you just cut below a leaf node. And in this case, there are a kind of a cluster of leaves on one stem. And that cluster of leaves stem is connected to a main stem. I know it sounds weird, but that's the umbrella form. It's You can think of it like there's the actual umbrella and then there's the pole that holds up the umbrella. And then the stem is like your arm holding up the umbrella you would cut just below where your hand is holding onto the umbrella, if that makes sense. Then I would suggest leaving at least, and I mean at least a few inches of the stem and the plant above where you're cutting. That way you have a little bit of room for the plant to grow above it. Cut off just below where that leaf stem cluster is and either place it in water or soil. And it may take a few weeks to see any progress, but that is stem cutting. It's pretty simple. A lot of like most of the propagation that you've heard of in the other podcasts. The other one is air layering. I have mentioned it once or twice before with, um, I know for sure I mentioned it with the rubber plant podcast because this structure, this structure is very similar. You can do it with this as well. So you want to find a place on the stem. You want to make that cut. That cut is where the roots are going to grow. So you remove any leaves or stems that are present in the area that are going to get in your way. You cut no more than a third of the stem off. You're basically just wounding it, kind of like nicking it, but you're really cutting into it a bit. And then you wrap it in moss or you can put soil or really any medium around that wound and then wrap the medium in plastic wrap or something that can hold in the moisture and hold the soil or the medium in that place. And that may take a few weeks to progress. I would honestly wait a bit longer for that one. I would always wait if you're propagating. You're going to see those initial roots shoot down. I would wait until you see the secondary root system kind of growing off the main roots before you plant it. I know you can do that over time. Like 
let's say it starts rooting in like three weeks, but you want to propagate it in four, I mean, you could. I'm sure it will work fine too. But in order to have a really successful propagation, I would really wait until you get that secondary root system. That I think is just going to really help you because the plant is more established and it has more roots to soak up moisture and hold in nutrients while it's getting established in its actual medium it will be resting in. Stem cuttings and air layering are the two ways to propagate this plant. I personally have never tried air layering. I actually have a rubber plant that is kind of leggy and I know there's ways to encourage leaf growth on the lower end of the branches, at least in that aspect. So I was going to try to do that. It's You're basically wounding the plant and it's supposed to like send kind of some kind of signal that the leaves should shoot out there. Not the same as air layering, but I was debating on doing that. Since I'm a cheap houseplant parent, I don't have any plants that are big enough to try it really. So I haven't been willing to cut my plants down yet. <laughs> so someday when they get big enough, I will definitely try it, but I just haven't yet. So that is for propagation. So let's move on to some of the other facts that I found. Schifflera is part of the Aureliaceae family or the ginseng family. So Aurelia, English ivy, and ginseng plants are all in this family. Its native habitat is tropical Australia and Pacific Islands, and its native growth is more of a shrub or more likely a tree. In its native habitat, you're going to find it between 10 to 25 feet tall, and in your home, it's going to get around 5, 6 feet tall or so, depending on what variety you have, what cultivar you have. As a houseplant, these can typically get kind of top-heavy and fairly tall, tall and thin for the most part, especially if you have it in a low-light area where it's going to get leggy. So over time, you may need to stake it as it matures. You can also cut these back. It's advised you do this in really early spring just to keep the shape. Totally up to you, though. Uh, Schifflera's are really sensitive to drafty windows and doors, so make sure you're keeping it away from those drafty windows and doors in colder months. It's one of those things that I know Diffenbachia don't like either, and I would just avoid it if you can. They do flower, but rarely. They usually have tiny, tiny, tiny red flowers, and they aren't really showy. And as a houseplant, you're really not going to see them. So the main reason you're going to buy this sucker is for its foliage. So forget the flower. <laughs> and lastly, for the other facts, this plant is toxic to pets and humans. Just keep it in mind, in the back of your mind, if you have issues with your pets chewing on things, maybe keep it up higher or something like that or just deter them from really doing it. I do have a podcast and a blog all about that. I think it's podcast episode 31. So if you wanted to check that out and learn more about what's not toxic or what's toxic or what you can do to really prevent that, you can go there as well. I have the links to the podcast episode and the blog post in this blog post. So you can check that out. So now let's move on to the Instagram Q&A. Okay, so I did get two questions this time, and just so you know, on Instagram and Facebook, in my stories, I usually drop a question box and say, hey, Chiflera is the next podcast. Do you have any questions that I can include in the podcast and the blog? And then any questions that are dropped in there, I screenshot and save them for when I'm actually recording and doing this. So I will continue to do that. Usually I drop that question box a few times before I record, but if you know what's coming up and I don't have the question box, if you want to just direct message me or whatever and just let me know that you do have a question about that plant instead go for it and then I will include it on the episode so I did get two questions the first one is are different variations more prone to disease 
The only thing I ended up finding was in the complete houseplant survival manual, and I did find it on a Central Florida Research and Education Center website as well. Basically, there is one variety that is resistant to spider mites. So Amante is what it's called, is the variety. I didn't even include that above because it wasn't very common from when I was looking, but there is a variety called Amante that is resistant to spider mites. So most of the issues you're going to find with Schifflera are either going to be pest related. So I've seen spider mites and mealybugs are probably the two most common ones I've seen as them having issues. Otherwise, most of the time it's directly related to overwatering if it's having issues. A lot of the other bacterial issues or anything on that website I found was talking about Mostly it was outside because it's Florida, but it's talking about if there's a heavy rain, there's root loss. Because of the heavy rain, these things can obviously rot really easily. So that is a concern even as a landscape plant. I do want to note that my friend Larissa on Instagram messaged me and she was having issues with her Schifflera and she had sent me pictures of the leaf tips. And it was really weird because it kind of had like a brown and black leaf tip. And we kind of figured out that we thought it was possibly powdery mildew. Powdery mildew is basically lack of airflow and there's like an extra buildup. As a landscape person that I was for the longest time, there were plants that were really susceptible like garden phlox and nine bark are super susceptible to it outside. And for me, I didn't see it as much on house plants. So that was the closest thing I could find when her and I were talking that it could be. So it could possibly have those issues as well. But as long as you have good airflow, you should be good with that. But if you're going to have any issues with Schifflera, it's going to be overwatering or it's going to be some kind of pest issue. Hopefully that answers that question. I didn't find a ton of diseases for Schifflera, at least as a house plant. But the Amante is a variety that is resistant to spider mites. The next question was, I topped my variegated Schifflera to get a fuller plant. The new top growth is coming green instead of variegated. Basically, she's asking, is that normal or what's going on? So um, I would consider this normal yet super frustrating because it's not like you're cutting a variegated Monstera and the bigger it grows, the more white is going to come out in the end kind of thing. Schifflera is super inconsistent with its variegation. If you really look at the leaves, the cluster of the leaves based on where they are on the stem, there's really no progression from green to yellow or green to white or whatever it is from top to bottom. You might notice that one whole cluster of leaves might have that variegation, the next one literally will have none, and then the next one will have like half of it. It's really not consistent. So my best advice for you would just be be patient about it. And I know that's, I hate that answer as well, but just be patient and hope that it will shoot out new variegated foliage. There is a small chance that it would revert back to green over time, but I haven't personally seen that. And based on the inconsistency of the variegation of Schifflera, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I have a feeling it will come back with more variegation over time as it's growing new stems. Okay. That is the Instagram Q&A, and that is all we got for today. Thanks for listening to episode 38 of Houseplant Homebody, all about Schifflera. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. 
Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, my blog, and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hello everyone couple things I mentioned last time I just wanted to repeat this time as well. So as you remember, I switched the episodes around a bit. This episode was supposed to be a landscape plant episode, but then I decided not to because I feel like I hadn't done enough houseplant podcasts in a row, so I decided to do Shaflera. The Patreon episode is still changing as well. It was going to be the Wisconsin, Illinois plant shop episode, but it's now going to be trending houseplants. I was going to drop it here in July. It's not in July. It's going to be early August. So just so you know, that's changing, but I know I talked about that last time. The other thing is, it is July, so the exclusive Houseplant Homebody merchandise for the Pylea level Patreon members, which is the $10 a month level, will be getting their exclusive Houseplant Homebody merchandise shipped either sometime here in July or right at the beginning of August. Um, they get it twice a year if anybody's interested. The $10 a month Patreon member does get merchandise exclusively. I order it specifically for the people that are on Patreon and you have to be that Pylea level, but you have to be a member for at least four months leading up to that shipment to qualify. But I think it's really cool. Last time I sent everyone on that level custom houseplant homebody hats and I asked what color they wanted. So those super fun. This time I'm doing tote bags. So anyway, just thought I'd throw it out that out there that it is coming so I will be messaging you guys on Patreon for your address to ship those to you. I also wanted to say that I am not 100% on what the next regular podcast episode is. I am thinking it's either going to be the Wisconsin and Illinois plant shop. I think it's going to be more of a part one podcast episode because I know there's tons of shops I haven't gone to or I'm just going to do another houseplant episode but I think if I do another houseplant episode it's going to be bird of paradise so I'll put up a poll um, of a few different things on Instagram and Facebook and see what you guys want to choose so make sure you check that out the day this podcast is actually released on the 20th I'll put a poll up to see what you guys want to do next so make sure you go and vote on that so I know what you guys want to hear and yeah, I think I will wait to do the landscape one. So I know I was originally going to do it at this one, but I think I decided I'm just going to do it in early fall. So I'll do it probably maybe end of August, beginning of September time. I will do that landscape podcast. So that's what I got for you guys today. Also wanted to point out that I haven't released any more information on that product that Peter and I are working on right now, trying to come up with ideas or what plants I want to get out and whatnot. So I will be releasing more information on it, but the only place you get the information right now is here because I haven't even said anything on social media yet. So if you don't follow me on social media, make sure you follow me. That way you can vote on things like what episode you want to hear next and you get those updates on products like this. So now that's all I got. <laughs>
you guys have a good week and i'll talk to you later bye bye